This podcast is an eclectic mix of artists from across musical genres. We feature artists ranging from those who have won multiple Grammys to those who are just in the beginning of their musical journey and everyone in between. But they all have one thing in common. They make great music that I truly love. I'm grateful for so many of you who have made Journey to the Stage part of your podcast rotation. Before we start today, if you could just take a few minutes to give this podcast a rating or leave a quick review or follow wherever you listen. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. It goes a long way to help others find us and is always greatly encouraging and appreciated. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just search for Journey to the Stage or click the links that I'll put in the notes section for this episode. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love Americana music. If you're not familiar with Americana, it's uh, it's like a musical cocktail. It's a blending of, of rock and roll and folk, country, traditional music with some blues all kind of shaking and stirred together. Today we've got a great Americana artist that I'm excited to introduce you to. Ensconced in the artist throne today is singer-songwriter Ben Bomber. Ben's latest album is a true Americana jam and it's titled Honky Tonk Macbeth. If you're new to his music, fret not, because we're going to play a couple of songs and get to know him a little bit and check out his journey. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Ben to Journey to the Stage. Ben, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Big thank you to to Heidi Labensart for connecting us. So uh, how's life in, in your neck of the woods these days? Um, so I, I moved from Austin to Asheville, North Carolina this year. I've spent the last uh, 14 years in uh, in Austin. And uh, uh, yeah, but I, I just moved here. So now I'm enjoying uh, some real seasons and getting to know the scene here a lot. Nice. Well, that's cool. That's kind of a, a big move because there's the musical scene in Austin has been so vibrant for many years. But what's the what's the musical scene like where you are? A lot of a lot of talent for sure, and there's a lot of people here who are really hungry to uh, support original music for sure. Um, it's been I've, I think I've been uh, greeted uh, very warmly by the both the artists and the folks that patron uh, the artists themselves and everything. Yeah, it's I I do miss Austin and the scene, and of course my friends and the people that I play with um, back there. But uh, yeah, I think it was a I think it was a good move. That's awesome. So if, if you were to take a look back. What was it that kind of put you on the on the troubadour path? You know, honestly, I think it was the only thing that I ever felt like I was good at. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, I, f- I have three sisters and I feel I felt like all three of my sisters were always so good. At, they always had their thing. Um, you know, my uh, my oldest sister, uh, she was a great writer. My youngest sister was a, a tremendous at math. And my uh, my other older sister was a great you know visual artist. And I just felt like, uh, you know, I just didn't have anything that was my own for a while. And I struggled with that. And uh, then I got grounded to my room for a month and I had a harmonica and I learned how to uh, to play it. And and it came quickly and easily and I enjoyed it a lot. And I was able to play with other people and it, 
you know, became a, a love and a real passion for me. That's pretty unique. I, I've talked with a lot of musicians and I don't think grounding has been part of their, <laughs> their musical <laughs> journey. <laughs> that's actually, I really want to ask what you did to get grounded for a month, but I won't ask because that's probably too personal, but let's just agree. There's a great story there, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't mind at all. I, you know, when I, I tried smoking weed for the first time and I was 13 years old and, uh, yeah. And I got caught. It was an awful situation and I, uh, I got put in, yeah, put in my room. So, and for a whole month, wow, that's pretty awesome. So there's a harmonica in there. You pick that thing up, you start, it becomes right. You're probably your escape from those four walls you were facing it honestly, so this has been one of the real treats in getting to know your music is the way you play harmonica. I mean, that thing just when you play, it's like dripping with the aching of the soul. It is so great. I love to hear you play harmonica. Do you have one nearby that you might uh, play a little lick for us? I absolutely do. I, I will warn you that my, uh, my my dog did walk in and sometimes he howls when I play the harmonica. Even Which better, the real duet. Might be, it might be hilarious. Uh, well, I might start howling too. And we'll just go for the whole whole shebang here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That is so unbelievably cool. So how long did it take you to, to learn to bend the notes? Because I, I know that a lot of guys, that's what they want to do first. And some guys never get there. But when you can bend those notes, it gives so much personality and depth to playing. How long did that take you to, to master? So, you know, the harmonica is such an interesting instrument because a lot of it is it's difficult to teach because so much of it is hidden. When you have a piano teacher, you know, you, they can, or a guitar teacher, they can correct your fingers and, you know, show you where to do it and give you examples. But with harmonica, everything is very internal. It's all about like your embouchure and with, uh, you know, your, you can kind of try to describe it to people, but, uh, you know, it becomes kind of, it's, so it's kind of difficult. So I think it comes very naturally for some folks and, uh, and, and difficult for others. I definitely, during the course of my grounding was able to bend all of the bottom six holes, uh, which is which you bend while breathing in. And then I learned how to bend the top four, which you bend while blowing out, uh, which are a little bit harder. And uh, and then actually over the pandemic, I really woodshedded harmonica because I wasn't writing very much. And I learned how to overblow and overdraw, which is a whole nother rabbit hole. I don't even know what that means, but if that's in your plane, it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I can I can play chromatically on a on a diatonic harmonica, and so uh, I can you know I can get full uh, all twelve notes. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Let's listen to a song. I think. Well, I like all the cuts on here, but "Married to the Road" I think is a, is a really really cool song. What can you tell us about that, and then we'll give it a listen. That was a song that uh, I wrote with a good friend of mine, Noah Collins, out of Chattanooga, and. Uh, he and I had been on the road for a couple of months. We were playing in Florida, in Southern Florida. And, uh, you know, we just missed home, but we were simultaneously having a really wonderful time performing. And, 
Yeah. And we got to write this song together and I totally fell in love with it. He started it and then I kind of helped him flesh it out. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a reference to Austin in there. And yeah, it's just about missing your own bed, but also loving what you do for a living. Yeah, it's an interesting bookend of emotions and, and all that's in the middle there. Well, cool. Let's give this a listen. This is Married to the Road by Ben Bomber off his new album, Honky Tonk Macbeth.
going back to uh, your harmonica playing, my grandparents on my mom's side immigrated from Mexico many, many years ago. And my grandfather died when I was about four. So my memories of him are like really super foggy. Um, yeah. My, my grandmother didn't drive. So there was a period of time where I was taking her to her doctor's appointments. And one day I drove her home and she asked me to come in for lunch and I happily agreed. But she spoke very, very little English and I don't know Spanish. I only really kind of know the bad words. So <laughs> communicating wasn't wasn't super easy. But what was really neat is she started telling me stories about my grandfather. And, you know, she told me that when I was just a little guy, like three and four years old, that he would play his harmonica. And apparently I loved the sound so much that I would just run around him in circles the whole time he was playing. <laughs> so what's really cool, though, is about a week later, my mom comes to me and she hands me a, a brown paper bag and I open it. And I pulled out my grandfather's two harmonicas. Wow. And I was just floored. I mean, they were from the 1920s. And um, so, you know, I played them every once in a while and just learning a little bit. But I kept them mostly on a shelf, kind of really just to keep them safe. Um, so anyway, one day when my my oldest son, who's 17 now, he was about four. I dust him off and I was in our bedroom and I just started playing. And I'm not even kidding. As soon as I started playing, he started running around me in circles, just like <laughs> I did when I was his age. I was so floored, but it just, it was kind of a, a cool musical connection. You know, just how you were talking about how your dad really kind of was that for you. And you learned so much about the harmonica from listening to him. Oh, that's a, that's a really beautiful memory. That's, uh, and, and, a, and a beautiful new one. Uh, that's, that's really cool. It's in your blood. Yeah. And then I heard this voice whisper to me, if you play. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's an embellishment. Isn't that one of the most wonderful things about the harmonica, though? I mean, it's just because, you know, obviously I can play it at a pretty high level, but, um, you know, it's a it's an instrument that anybody can play and can fit in their pocket. And, you know, and I think that that's, you know, that's really just wonderful. I've, I've surpassed, you know, whatever my dad could play uh, mm. at this point, but he was a pretty he was a pretty decent harp player. And yeah. Uh, I just had wonderful memories of that. You know, it's funny because people ask me to like, oh, what do you think of Bob Dylan's playing and stuff? And I think that they're looking for me to maybe make fun of his playing or something, but mm -hmm. I think it fits. And so, you know, if it if it works and it sounds good and it, you know, plays the part that you want it to, I think it's a it's a wonderful instrument for both, you know, beginners and for people who really want to be serious about what they want to play on it. I agree. And one of the things, and you, you alluded to this, there's not, there's no more portable instrument than a harmonica and how beautiful it is to sit around a campfire at night and someone takes out a harmonica and just plays a, a sweet tune. It's, it's a unique experience and nothing can set the mood in my opinion in that kind of a setting, like, like a harmonica. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a true part of the American story. Uh, you know, I mean, they made it in Germany and uh, at least diatonic harmonicas they made in Germany and they didn't really catch on. So they ended up selling them cheaply in the United States, which is why, you know, a lot of black America and, you know, the 1800s and early 1900s and stuff were able to afford those instruments. And they played it in a way that the Germans never could have comprehended. I mean, the people weren't right. really bending notes back then even. Mm -hmm. 
and the voice of it is so special. I mean, I've heard it say that that it's the most like the human voice. And I think that that's pretty accurate. It's so emotive too. You can make it so expressive of emotions, especially when you look back at some of those black players, you know, who were just playing the blues on it. And it's like they were making that thing cry. It's pretty incredible. Now, when it comes to guitar, when did when did you start playing? Was that something that you were already playing when you started playing harmonica or what, what was that like? I started playing guitar a little bit in high school um, and I got a lot more serious after I graduated high school because uh, but it was really because I started getting more into writing music and I needed something to to write music on. Before that, I was playing in different bands, mostly as a singer and harmonica player. Uh, but then as I you know, started writing in my journal and writing song lyrics and uh, working on those things, I really needed to have chords behind me. And that's when I really started playing guitar. Are there any, any writers or artists that, um, you know, that you would look at and say, yeah, they're, they've inspired me. I want to do what they do. If you had to, you know, maybe list out any that have kind of stood out to you over the years that have maybe kind of left their fingerprints on your creativity and approach to music, who, who might you list? I think my one of my very favorites and certainly one of the most influential artists for me is Fiona Apple. Oh, cool. Um, I, I think that she writes beautiful, beautiful, interesting lyrics that paint, uh, you know, cryptic pictures in my head that, uh, you know, because I, I write songs and I don't necessarily need everybody to understand what I'm writing about. I, you know, I write them for, for myself, but I do want them to be, you know, to be relatable to, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And, uh, and I think that she does that very well. Um, and she's rhythmic and yeah, I mean, she's got beautiful melodies. So I think I, I certainly pull a lot from, uh, from Fiona Apple. Tom Waits for sure is a big one. I got yeah. turned on to Tom Waits in high school and annoyed my entire household listening to that <laughs> growly. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's funny. My guitar player that I play with a lot, Michael O'Connor, uh, he taught me this game where we can, where we make up Tom Waits lyrics based on what we see around us. So it's like, we'll be in Key West or something and we'll be like, the man is puking next to the Cuban coffee queen. And that's such a, you know, and, yeah. Well, there, there's beauty in being so literal sometimes. And uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Sometimes you, you know, people don't need to understand every line of every song. There's always an impressionistic aspect to, to lyrics, not in every genre, but I kind of like that because it allows the listener to maybe find a meaning in it that wasn't intended by you, but still can draw something that is deeply and personal, relatable to themselves. And that's, that I think is, is actually super cool. I a hundred percent agree. I think that, you know, they say, uh, don't meet your heroes, you know? And I think that there's a, there's a way in which where, you know, if you have to know what those songs are about, it loses your interpretation of what they might be. You know, it's, I've, I've, uh, I listened to that song, uh, or I, so I I played a gig in Austin a while back that was hosted by, uh, Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows. Oh yeah. And you know, and I, I've always loved that song, Mr. Jones. You know, I grew up on that song. Yeah, it's a and, great one. Uh, and I always thought that it was a clever song about a guy talking to his beer bottle in his hand. Um, and, <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
and I and I always loved that imagery, you know, because it's yeah. just you know the, the Mr. Jones and me tell each other fairy tales and we stare at the beautiful women. She's looking at you. I don't think so. She's looking at me, you know. And it, it was just yeah. it painted this image of this like clever person making these these observations of this party or the world around him and stuff all while he's just kind of sitting back and enjoying a beer. And, uh, and I just thought it was so clever. And I asked him about it and he was like, Oh no, it's like from, you know, Jones from Waterfield, Connecticut or something. You know, it's just, I was like, Oh, oh, oh wow. Why did you tell me? You've uh, ruined it. <laughs> yeah. So I've learned, I le- I've learned my lesson and I've, I've had people who've come up to my, uh, you know, after hearing my songs and have, remark to me about how they know what that song is about and then they tell me their own experience and that experience isn't actually at all about what that song is about but I don't really want to correct or uh, change that because it clearly was meaningful for them yeah there's a certain impressionistic aspect to to lyrics when they're they're not literal and it's so funny you say that about Mr. Jones that song there's a song by Toad the Wet Sprocket that I have always thought was about a guy getting up in the middle of the night and having to go to the bathroom. And (laughs) I'm sure that it's not because I remember when I caught on to some phrases, I'm like, oh, I wonder if it means this. And then every, you know, it's kind of like confirmation bias. Every phrase, every word like confirmed what I already thought. And I remember running that by a friend. He was looking at me like, dude, what is wrong with you? I don't see any of that. I've always wanted to ask, you know, Glenn Phillips or something like connect online and say, Hey, is this song really about this? But maybe I won't ask. Maybe it's just better to embrace the mystery. It sounds like, uh, you know, if you do it, you may, you may learn a lesson not to do that. Or maybe it'll just be like, wow, you're the only guy who got it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just going to assume the latter and I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to assume that's what it means. And I'm the only person on the planet other than Glenn Phillips who wrote that song. That's what it means. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, cool. Well, let's listen to another song. I want to play "Evil Eyes," and I, I think this is probably my my favorite song. It's the opening track, and it's just a blast of a song. Uh, let's listen to this. This is "Evil Eyes" by Ben Bomber from his latest album, "Honky Tonk Macbeth." <laughs> She came into my life last year Took control, left me Nothing but fear from those eyes Honey, I those evil eyes She was a pixie, a harlot of sorts Witched me speechless without a retort from Those evil eyes 
And this song is is it's got some swank to it. it. It drips with some some tasty blues and great vocals, by the way, and musicianship. Uh, what can you. you what can you tell us about this one? You know, this one I just had a, an idea in my head. I feel like I'm a collector of of genres and songs and rhythms, and you know, I, I listen to a country waltz and I'm like, ooh, I gotta have one of those. Uh, you know, and I think that. This was just, I really wanted kind of a straightforward, bluesy, old-timey kind of, uh, you know, kind of a nod to Ray Charles uh, song. And that's uh, that's what I came up with. And I've really enjoyed, uh, I especially enjoyed the recording process because I got to play with uh, some really wonderful musicians. Uh, the regular band is my, uh, my the regular guy, the guys that I play with often in Austin, but I also got to, um, I also got to sing with Heidi Burson, who's one of my very favorite vocalists who lives in Nashville. And she came down and helped me uh, record the background vocals of it. And man, she, she can sing. So it just, it came together really nicely. And I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I love to hear young artists like you kind of tip their hat 
to some of the guys like Ray Charles. You know, as time goes on and generations pass and musical tastes change, some of those great artists like Ray Charles, they can get lost on on a newer generation. Um, and I, it's not been long since I played uh, some Ray Charles songs in, in our home here because I want my boys to hear that. Because he was so unique and there was so much great music that came out uh, during that period of time. A lot of them were black artists who just really brought something that was so unique and just musically tasty that uh, I'm glad you're hearkening back to some of that stuff because I think that's really important. I, yeah, I mean, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of the ones that came before us, that's for sure. And I think that, you know, you can't forget that. You know, I cut my teeth listening to all of my dad's old records and, you know, Ray Charles and Thelonious Monk. And I mean, it's just, you know, all of this wonderful music that uh, that I think you're right. It, it does kind of fade away, especially now because there's so much content everywhere. There's so much yeah. there's so many yeah. more people who are uh, adding to the mix as well. So you have to really decide what you want to listen to. But um, I, I certainly listen to the people that I grew up on a lot. And that comes, I mean, everywhere from Blind Lemon Jefferson to Pearl Jam. Uh, so yeah, as it should be. I think, I think it's important too. You know, it's so funny because I, my my oldest son Luke was walking around the house the house the other day, and and um, he had his his AirPods and I'm like, Hey, what are you listening to? And he's a, he's a very, very gifted musician. He plays piano and trumpet. Both my boys play trumpet, but on piano, Luke is, he's just a natural. And so what I'm finding is he, he joined jazz band this year because he's still in high school and his musical palette has really expanded. I'm like, what are you listening to? And he's like, Oh, I'm listening to John Williams and he he's conducting him and Yo-Yo Ma is playing with him and they're playing the suite from these movies and this and that. I'm like, that's my boy right there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Super, super cool. And I think it's important too. You know, we probably both know people that really just kind of lock in on one style of music. I'm like, man, you're missing out on so much. There's, there's so much out there that is just worthy of our ears and our time. And I think it's important to to have a, a wide variety. What do you find yourself listening to these days? What what new artists do you find yourself drawn to? Um, you know, it's funny. I, the more I play, uh, the more I end up listening to my peers, a lot of the people that I perform with and really admire their songwriting. Um, there's a slew of, of Austin musicians that are in a constant playlist of mine. Pat Byrne is a big one. Eric Betancourt, um, Michael O'Connor, uh, Adam Carroll. You know, there's, uh, there's so many and all of those guys are just indie artists that that uh, play in Austin and Central Texas. Ali Holder, you know, they write really, be- really beautiful music. Adam Carroll is like one of my favorite musicians ever. And uh, I mean, you know, he wrote a country song about the Odyssey, you know, <laughs> it's wow, like, that's cool. it's uh, just interesting, cool stuff. So I, I, I try to I listen to new music, you know, when it's given to me or, you know, if I've heard about it. But oftentimes, you know, I end up listening to a lot of friends of mine and see what they're putting out and what they've what their newest projects are i'm a huge fan of alejandro escovedo great uh, texas singer songwriter musician oh yeah guy's a legend I, oh truly wonderful. yeah i've i've reached out a couple times to try to get him on my podcast i haven't had any response yet but i, I am not going to give up because i should. think the guy's a genius and I, no, you, you'll, I bet you'll get him well if you've got a connection man let me know because sometimes it just you got to know somebody sometimes to connect you 
I was watching a, an interview with you. The person you were talking with asked about you playing your harmonica while you play your guitar. And I thought your response was really interesting. So maybe explain to us, why don't you wear the, you know, kind of the rack and play your harmonica while you're, while you're playing your guitar? Well, you know, the, the headgear, and I don't know if I'm going to, I might be saying the exact same response (laughs) I did on this, but the, the best way that I can describe playing as, as a harmonica player who, who plays the way that I do, um, putting the headgear on, uh, is sort of like if you're playing piano one-handed above your head where you can feel those keys and you can play, you know, you can find those notes and those chords, but it is incredibly awkward and difficult. Uh, that's, that's how it feels. Although ironically, I have been practicing a bunch lately because now that I've moved to Asheville, um, I'm playing a lot more solo shows because, uh, you know, I don't have a band up here yet. And so I've been trying to, trying to, to flesh out my shows a little bit more with harmonica because it is a shame to not be able to play harmonica at all during a show. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's just frustrating, you know. I think that you know people like Bob Dylan uh, uses it as a you know as a rhythm right. instrument and it plays a different role than uh, the role that I usually use it for. So uh, yeah, so I, I'm just I'm trying to branch out a little bit on that. But yeah, it is it is difficult and it is not my favorite way to play the harmonica. That's for sure. Well, I can understand that because the use of of your hands to angle the harmonica in a certain way, to shift it in your mouth and to to contort it in a way that gets you the sound you want. You can't do that hands free. I could totally understand that. And I, I only play very, very minimally. You're, you're spot on. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. Um, you also can't move as fast, you know, when you use your, a combination of your head movement and your hand movement, yeah. you can, uh, you can move a lot faster, uh, than if you're just moving your head from side to side. So it, it, it's, it's just difficult, but it has been, it has been fun to learn on the rack recently because it's sort of, uh, you know, it sort of reminds me of like the, you know, the Japanese parable where it's like, uh, or like, or the question where if you only have uh, three colors and you can paint with four strokes, what would you paint? It sort of forces me to simplify the way that I play, but also make important decisions about what notes I'm going to play. And so that's been kind of an interesting process for me as well. That would be tough to do. I, I could totally see how that would be a challenge. Okay, how do I how do I pare this down to still convey what I want to convey, but knowing that I'm doing it with one hand tied behind my back, so to speak. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a lot of, a lot of friends that are full-time musicians and I know, I know it's not easy. It's it's tough, especially in a world of streaming where you're not selling albums and, you know, so that, that revenue stream is not really there to help sustain artists. What are some of the challenges that that you have faced as a really a pretty young musician artist in in kind of the the modern uh, musical atmosphere? You know what's what's very hard is that I think it's really hard to be a full time musician, or it's hard to be prolific as a musician if you have a regular job. At least in my experience. I definitely know quite a few people who have done it and I take my hat off to them. But at one point in Austin, I decided to quit my job and I bought a trailer with my, uh, you know, with my tax return 
And I lived in that trailer for almost two years with no electricity or running water. Oh, wow. And that was where I was able to practice and be available for people that, you know, because you also, you know, you have a job and people say, hey, can you play here on Saturday? And you say, no, I'm sorry, I can't. Or can you travel to Houston or, you know, wherever and play this gig? And I couldn't make myself available or get a regular gig going where I could, you know, it was just very difficult in a lot of ways. Yeah, and so I yeah. stripped away all of that because I was like, well, I can, I can live off of 300 bucks a month if I don't have any bills at all, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I just slowly gathered, gathered gigs and I was able to just concentrate on that. And then pretty soon I was parked my trailer behind another person's house and paid rent and had electricity. And then I moved into an apartment and uh paid you know and had hot showers and then uh yeah and now i i live in a house <laughs> so it's just little by little yeah and i hope my listeners really take this to heart because your story is not uncommon that yeah streaming is is great it's easy we've got a jukebox at our fingertips but it is so much better to buy something from an artist because when you hear about somebody living in a trailer, because this is their, this is what they want to do. This is their passion, their purpose. It's very, very difficult. There's a lot of headwinds against artists uh, these days. So I hope people take that to heart and, and uh, branch out and buy something, jump on Bandcamp, jump on iTunes, go to shows, buy a disc, buy a, you know, a t-shirt and stuff. This is what, this is what keeps artists going. So I'm glad you shared that. Absolutely. Well, man, I really appreciate your time, Ben. Let's let's talk about how people can support you. Where where can people hear your music? Where can they get updates or for shows you've got coming up? The two main things are my website, which is just uh, benbalmer.com and uh, Instagram. I update regularly with, you know, has all of my link tree stuff. So you can see everything uh, go on at real time, which is just uh, ben, at benbalmermusic. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's really just those, just those two things are the things that I'm concentrating on. I have thought about doing like harmonica stuff on TikTok, but I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm finally just feeling like I'm getting good at Instagram and I, uh, <laughs> how old do I sound right now? I'm just saying something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, <my lawn. laughs> yeah. But, but no, I, I think, uh, yeah, my, my website, I, I make my own t-shirts and, uh, we have all sorts of cool little merch stuff uh you can buy cds we ran out of cd players sorry about that so yeah. <laughs> that's a bad joke yeah but, sadly uh, it's not you're not wrong <laughs> but you know if you listen to me on spotify and you want to help me out and you don't have a cd player you know think about the older people in your life and buy them a cd yeah. and then listen to me on spotify because they all have cd players anything uh, follows never you know it's so funny because i think you know when you stream or when you just follow somebody on instagram or mm -hmm. facebook and stuff i think that's a small step to just helping uh in in pr even you know where sure. you know, when i book a gig and somebody looks at my my uh social media and stuff and they see that it's active and people follow then you know they're a little bit more likely to say yes to a gig um so that's a that's the smallest and easiest way to to help absolutely and i think i asked but you're on Bandcamp also right i am on Bandcamp. yes at ben balmer music very cool and i will put all of those links to where people can purchase music where they can download music where they can stream it uh, your website i'll put all of those in the show notes if anybody wants to just click on those they'll be all put together in one place so 
Well, Ben, it's been an absolute treat. I I, I really enjoy your your music. This the, your new album is just so good. I hope everybody goes out. If you don't buy it, add it to your regular rotation. It's a blast. It's Honky Tonk Macbeth by Ben Bomber. You'll absolutely love it. And Ben's got quite an extensive catalog. So if you love that, then you've got a lot of great music to listen to as well. So Ben, thank you so much for joining me. It's such a pleasure. Thank you again for having me. Yeah. And thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with some others so they can get to know Ben's music as well. So keep your bags packed and join us on our next Journey to the Stage. And that's a wrap. Thanks, Brian. This was fun. <laughs>